0: Welcome to the Osmo awesome M.A. DFS Strategy Show as we are here to get you ready for UFC 260, which is on Saturday night. We got a heavyweight title, main offense, Stepe Miocic, take you on Francis Ngannou, also Vicente Luque versus Tyne Willie is our new co main event. We're gonna break it down for you. Of course, leave your questions in the chat. Of course, we are sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. Head over to monkeyknifefight.com. And when you use that promo code Awesomeo, you get an instant first match deposit up to fifty dollars. So sign up today. I'm in there pretty much on the daily playing some NBA prop contests. Uh had had a rough past couple of days. Uh But uh, hopefully get right back at it. So I might be peeking on over, looking at a little Miami Heat scoreboard tonight because I'm definitely paying attention to that one. But, of course, as always here, on the strategy show, I am joined by the fighter, Pete Rogers Jr. Pete, we were texting before the show talking about these heavyweights and kind of – I think it says a lot about the heavyweight division because I text you, I go, you know, man, Francis Gano's got 10 wins in the UFC – and only two of those fighters are actually ranked in the top 10. Of course, two of those wins against Blades there against Rosenstruck. But then you fire back, you go, well, how about you look at Steve a. Miocic? Yeah. Uh,
1: what's up, everybody? Yeah, it's a good point because, you know, I feel like, you know, the heavyweight weight class is kind of like a revolving door. And uh, you have one big face of, face of the division. And, um, you know, we, we've seen it kind of go in peaks and valleys with uh, Brock Lesnar, Cain Velasquez, um, you know, Bay's reign, DC's reign. Um, I'm interested to see this fight for sure. You know, Francis Zagano against, uh, Stipe Miocic, but, uh, you know, if you really look at their entire body of work within the heavyweight division in the UFC, you can look at a lot of names. Yeah. There's a lot of name value, but as far as ranked opponents, because either Alistair Overeem has retired, Junior Dos Santos is not with the promotion any longer. Um, you know, it's, there's a lot of fighters there that, you know, are no longer with the promotion, Mark Hunt even. So, um. It goes to show you that the depth in heavyweight is, I, I would say, somewhat slim on, on the top level. And that's why, like, you see meteoric rise of, like, a Sorrel God or, you know, even like a, a, like a Chris Dalkis or whatnot. You're seeing these guys start to get big fights pretty quickly.
0: Of course, uh, Stipe is in a very familiar territory. Once again, the betting underdog in a title <laughs> fight. This is a role that he has played. Hell, he played in his first matchup against Francis Ngannou back at the beginning of 2018. Of course, we all remember how that went, because I remember in our premium Slack channel uh, when the DraftKings odds came out for this one, that was what a lot of people were talking about, is, oh, Stepe once again, the underdog spot, 7,800 on DK, 8,400 uh, for Francis, and then over on FanDuel, $20 for Ngannou, $19 for Miocic. I, I really feel like this is a fight that you have to have max ownership on. You, you've got to, you know, to me, I, I don't know if I'll go a hundred percent. I'll probably be at 90%, but I'm going to be somewhere along the lines of like six out of nine Linus Miocic, you know, three with, with in Cause look, in we all know he has that death punch that he has here. Uh, you know, to me that, you know, the better fighter, no question, is, is Steepa Miocic. But if I'm looking at concerns on my end, Pete, age, 38 years old, you know, has taken a lot of damage over the years. Uh, and then the fact of I do, I do wonder about just because of how the the wildness of Nganu that maybe Nganu is going to land a punch that just normally would not land. But to me, Miocic is the better fighter. To me, he's got to make this clinch fight wear down Nganu get this fight to the second round and wear him, and, and just wear him out for 25 minutes. And um, you know, look, if whoever wins this fight, I truly believe will be optimal.
1: Yeah, for sure. I, I'm prioritizing the main event. I think that either fighter is going to be imperative for, you know, GPP success. I really do. I think that uh, both come at fair price points. Uh, Francis and Gano 8,400 for such a KO artist, hundred percent finishability. Um, out of his 15 victories is pretty remarkable. And the guy has the most, power we've ever seen within the, you know, the UFC, Um, you know, and I think that that is always viable and always, you know, the potential for a nice Francis Ngannou bonus or Francis Ngannou knockout is always there because it doesn't even have to be a clean shot. It can be a glancing shot. And we have seen Stipe Miocic get wobbled in the past, finished in the past Um, DC, even, you know, was hurt against Stefan Struve. That's a very long time ago. Um, I made money on that. I was actually in Vegas, but in their first encounter, I was actually, that was the first UFC event I've ever been to. And I got to watch that. And, you know, I was really, really worried for Stepe in that because you, you just saw Ghana come off that amazing knockout over Alistair Overeem, sent uh, Overeem's head to the bleachers. And now you're seeing Stepe Miocic in there just slightly evading every shot and showing off excellent head movement. So with all that being said, You know, you have to have, I I would say for me, I'm going to have probably max exposure to this fight. And I will split it because I think that, you know, despite Miocic, you know, having so many qualities, I do want to say that Francis Ngannou has been in the gym a lot. Um, He hasn't really had the most cage time, though, which is always a, you know, something that you can point to. Whereas Stephen Miocic has had these championship rounds against, you know, DC and has looked really good. Um, I still... The striker in me wants to slightly favor Francis Ngannou just because I think that you know he catches him with something. I, I think everybody's talking about how he, he only has one round. I think he has two. Um, I think he has two rounds to get it done. But outside of that, it could get very ugly for him because I think that maybe Steve A. pace, his game plan, mixing in tons of tons of wrestling, uh, wearing on uh, Francis Ngannou, similar to the first fight. You know, maybe Ngannou is kind of like mentally zapped when he, th- he kind of like reflects on that first encounter. Like when somebody has your number or you know that you were dominated in all facets of the game, maybe Ngannou going to go out there a little too gun shy and just allow Stipe Miocic to dictate the entire fight. We'll have to see. But regardless, smash exposure to this fight, split it. I'm just going to lean a little bit just for me, just because I like Francis Ngano more than I like Stipe Miocic. But as far as the entire card, Miocic is hands down the best value on the slate.
0: And he's potentially a huge slate breaker in terms of what he can do, you know, 140 points in their first matchup. I do want to ask you as the fighter in relation to this, because obviously the whole extreme couture team, what are they talking about leading up to this fight? Is cardio is not going to be an issue. That's all we're going to hear this week. But as a fighter, is how are they testing the cardio of Francis in the in the training room? Because it's not like Francis Ngannou is going out there and throwing 120 mile an hour fastballs on his on his sparring partners like he's going to do against Sipe Miocic.
1: Well, I mean, the best way to kind of you know simulate a fight is to do Shark Tank drills. So, what Shark Tank drills is you have multiple partners with you, and you know whether it's every minute on the minute you're having a fresh guy come in there or put you in different positions. So I I'm sure that that Francis and is going to be well prepared in this matchup as far as, you know, like having better conditioning, but you know, a lot of conditioning and a lot of just like your physical, you know, your entire body is just based on genetics as well. Like he is so muscle bound that I don't, I think it's going to be, I don't want to say impossible, but it's going to be very difficult to kind of, you know, keep up with Miocic's pace. The longer this fight goes, like he can be as well prepared as possible, but you know, w- with his game of throwing heavy strikes and being so muscle bound, he has a limited, you know, time to get this done. You know, I, I mean, there are some fighters that carry their, their power late into fights like Derek Lewis. But if you look at Derek Lewis's physicality compared to a Francis and just completely different body frames. But, uh, I would expect Francis and Ghana to have improved since the last time that they fought. I just wonder mentally, like this is the guy that kind of just outclassed you for the entire, you know, duration of the fight. Do you have any answers? Because maybe you stuffed the first shot. What happens if he actually does get you on your back? Does your confidence get zapped?
0: Yeah. It's all, it's all, you know, look, I think, as you said, I think this is a fight that you have to have mass exposure to, of course. So we have free content over today at, awesomo.com that is the mma fighter ranking so be sure to check out that over at awesomo.com as uh, i will tell you there is one underdog on this card not named stipe muachic that i'm really looking at i'm interested as we go on to see maybe if pete's on the same line thinking i am i I don't know if he will be or not there is one under eight thousand fighter not named stipe that i'm looking at Okay, we'll well, see, we'll, see, we'll we'll a little teaser as we go on throughout the show. Let's get right into the co-main event of the fight card. It is Vicente Luque versus Tyron Woodley. I, I mentioned this on my show yesterday, and, and I'll, I'll pose the same question to you that I posed to my co-host: Do you trust Tyron Woodley? Hell no,
1: hell no, no, I do not. And if you've been betting on Tyron Woodley, you might you might be homeless right now because he has not won a round in a very long time. And he's been, you know, just doing the same thing every fight, putting himself in bad positions. So the word trust and Tyron Woodley do not go together.
0: So let me, I want to bring up this quote that he had when he was on Eric Helwani's show this week when he was asked about changing his mentality after three straight losses. Quote, I trained for those fights. I was ready for those fights. I was prepared for those fights. There's nothing that happened. Nothing. My opponents did that surprised me. I was just there. I was just watching myself lose and I'm tired of doing that expletive.
1: Jason, I've heard this so many times, and I feel like we've been told this so many times and I hope that he's right. And I hope that he has made adjustments and made changes. Because the last thing I like to see is a fighter that was on top, you know, being forced his way out of the sport. That is one of the saddest things that can happen in an MMA career is when you see a guy that was a champion at one time just start, just never knowing when to give it up or never, never knowing when to, you know, step away, especially when you're not seeing progress under the lights. Because that is the big thing. Like, under the lights, are you making progress are you making changes or is there something like underlying like he needs to have hired a sports psychologist or something because there's something mentally not there he doesn't throw enough he backs himself against the cage and it's almost like he's in an out of body experience where he's you know kind of like watching himself get beat up throughout the duration of the fight which does bother me but he is super dangerous even at 7100
0: First scheduled three round fight for Tyron Woodley since January 31st, 2015.
1: Damn. Yeah. I mean, it goes to show you that he was a champ for a long time or headlining, um, you know, fights for a very long time. And, you know, Tyron Woodley, his name holds a lot of merit, and a lot of fighters within the division didn't want to fight him for a very long time because he has strong wrestling and overwhelming power. Um, he really relies on that power to get it done for him. And having such a low volume approach to a game, you know, when you're like if somebody's not afraid of your power, they start walking you down and hitting you with attrition, like, you know, that that one shot doesn't always land. And I think that's the worry for me with Tyron Woodley. I think for me it'll be like a ten percent play just because of he has a puncher's chance and if he does find the home against a very hittable Vicente Luque, it's possible. But Vicente Luque checks all the boxes for me. He's an exceptional striker, exceptional on the ground. He's just so talented. And I think he's one of the, one of the dark horses within a division and a fighter that I really like.
0: Here's my concern on Willie before I go to Luque mm-hmm. is when you're watching UFC fight, there's that black line. And yeah. especially in that smaller cage, you're basically about a step and a half away from your back being up against the cage. And this is a familiar scene we have seen with Woodley. I believe he needs to go the takedown route in this one. I think he's got to go back to his old school collegiate wrestling in this one, as opposed to just looking for that right-hand bomb a la Roy Nelson. And and we've seen how Roy Nelson's career has gone over the years. You're just, you're looking out for that one bomb or Mm -hmm. him clinching against the fence. So so to me, but on the other side of Vicente Luque, the price does concern me at 9100 on DK and $21 over on FanDuel. Because if you want to talk about the last time, you know, uh, you know obviously, you know, Colby got that fifth round uh, TKO, which was, you know, TKO slash rib injury. But when you want to talk about the, the last time that he got stopped, we got to go back to 2012 against Nate Marquardt and Strike Force.
1: Yeah, that was a damn good knockout, too. That's one of my favorite knockouts in the clinch. I love that knockout. And I do think that Woodley's very tough, especially in a three-round fight. I think putting away Woodley would be extremely impressive. But Woodley really hasn't shown me a lot. With the new scoring system, I will be a little hesitant on Vicente Luque at 9,100 because of the concerns that you talked about. of If it's just a decision, does he really pay off the salary? You know, probably not in the decision. But um, I don't want to take the possibility of a finish out of the equation, 89% finish rate for Vicente Luque out of his 19 victories. And uh, he does in a way have crisper striking than Colby Covington, Gilbert Burns. So I I do think that a finish is possible, but a decision is probably more likely. And uh, I'll still have my exposure to Vicente Luque. I still think that with everything I've seen from Woodley at 38 years old, uh, there's no way I can trust him outside of 10% of lineups.
0: No, th- th- to me, there's there's no way you can trust Woodley, but I could see a fact of if you're looking at a cheaper 7,000 play, I don't mind going the Woodley route, but I just don't trust him. And, and that's got to be the concern. But my concern on Luke a is can he pay off that price point, you know, especially if this fight does go 15 minutes? Of course, uh, this is the also MA DFS strategy show. Now, if there's ever an occasion where you miss a show or you want to go back and and listen to the show after the fact, you can check it out in podcast form as a part of the Osmo Podcast Network. Just go to Osmo.com slash podcast to check it out over there. As we always appreciate of course uh be sure uh you know if you're not subscribed to us here on youtube be sure to subscribe we got a lot of great programming that we have every day of course coming up after us will be the nba late slate show we'll get you ready for tonight's late slate nba action of course as always be sure to hit that thumbs up that does help us out a lot as well let's move on to our next matchup sean o'malley versus thomas almeida this is uh this is an interesting matchup. You know, Thomas came back last year af- after a layoff with the eye injury. Sean O'Malley, you know, coming off that loss against Gino Vera. But to me, I think this is a tailor-made matchup for really both guys.
1: I'm glad you said that because I thought you were going to really lean in one direction or the other. And, you know, you can't trust either guy. And, like, me trusting Sean O'Malley, that that kind of – those days are done because of his last performance. And – his last performance against Marlon Barrett, like he looked good until, you know, he had an ankle injury where, you know, whether it was from a low kick or just his kind of like, I, I, I don't know, like he seems to be like, he has an ongoing injury with his ankles over the course of his career. I mean, you think about Andre top fight of how he was hobbled on one leg. And I think it's kind of like an injury that's plagued him throughout his career. So, you know, Almeida is a, is a tough striker, Jason. Like, yeah, like he's been knocked out and finished, but, you know, he's been finished by Cody Garbrandt, um, Rob Font. lost two decisions to Jimmy Rivera and Jonathan Martinez. Like, all of those guys are top-notch talent. And, um, you know, maybe in a, a guy like Sean O'Malley can't find the knockout blow here. This is an interesting fight, especially if he starts to incorporate leg kicks.
0: Yeah, that, that to me, is really the key with Thomas Almeida is, to, yeah. you know, when you see what, and you mentioned what thought did, what Cheeto Vera did, you have to imagine that his team has made this a big part uh, of the camp. And, you know, ESPN Plus has an undestined show, and this is a fight that they profiled. And so if you have an ESPN Plus subscription, it's like a 20-minute show, and it takes you inside both of these fighters' training camp. And one of the things that I thought was interesting is it, it does kind of, you know, you get that feel that Thomas Almeida understands his back is against the wall. He is clearly the B side of this fight, but I think it's still a great opportunity And you want to talk about when you're looking to throw darts at fighters who are in that low seven thousand range, you're you're looking to you know take some darts on fighters that have the ability to finish the fight. And I don't like I'll probably be in around a ten percent exposure to Thomas Almeida.
1: Yeah. I mean, if I put Tyron Woodley at 10%, I'd probably put Almeida double that you know, I think 20% would be, would be okay. And I think you worded it perfectly. Like as far as the seven K punts, I think Thomas Almeida fits a lot of the criteria, right? Like he has a strong finishing ability, 95% finishing ability out of his 22 professional fights. He's a talented striker. Um, He's okay in jujitsu, but the thing with Thomas Almeida is like a speed disadvantage in this matchup in the fact that he gets hit, you know, quite often. And I think, you know, Sean O'Malley's speed, Should be obvious from the get-go in this matchup, as long as he is mentally okay from actually being defeated. Like, it's one thing to be an undefeated fighter, but it's another thing to kind of just, like, not take ownership of a defeat. And whether it's to kind of, like, you know, pump a narrative or just get more clout or get more attention – Whatever it is, there needs to be ownership in the gym. And I understand that he has mentioned that, you know, he loses all the time in the gym. He slaps slaps hands and gets right back to it. So I hope that's the true mentality behind Sean O'Malley. And he's not kind of like, you know, ignorant to facts or ignorant to the fact that he's human, insusceptible to getting rocked, getting knocked out, submitted, because he needs to still have confidence, but also have respect for his opponents. And I think that this is a good matchup for, for, you know, Sean O'Malley. With all that being said, he has the volume edge. He has the speed edge. I will place Sean O'Malley in a de- you know a decent amount of my lineup, 75% finish rate in 12 victories. Um, but as far as 7K punts, Almeida is one of the best.
0: So here's Thomas Almeida's wins in the UFC. By the way, his last win in the UFC was in 2016, FYI. Yeah. Albert Morales, Anthony Berchek, Brad Pickett, E. Schwabween, Tim Gorman. Anthony Berchak is the only fighter still in the UFC at this point. He's on his second, second stint in the UFC, third stint in the UFC. So it it just, but you look at his losses, Cody Garbrandt, Junior Rivera, Rob Font, Jonathan Martinez, you know, we're, we're talking, you know, uh, you know, Font, Rivera, Garbrandt, the, the, the very top of this division. But I think this is to me, this is a fight that you have to be looking at when you talk about must roster fights fights that are likely going to get the winners going to walk away with 100 points. I think this is a fight that you have to kind of circle is potentially in that area.
1: Yeah, I think it's fair. I mean, if you even look at Sean O'Malley's kind of like, you know, resume, he's had some questionable fights too. Like, you know, Tarion and Ware, Andre Sukumta, you know, uh, Jose Quinones, Eddie Wineland, you know, like not Eddie Wineland from – from oh. you know, the WEC, but I mean, yeah. it's, it's to build him. Like I understand the process of these yeah. fights. It makes sense. Um, you know, in Marlon Vera, that was easily his biggest step up in competition. So, you know, I think that they're both close and this could end up being a very, very back and forth fight or an exciting matchup.
0: Yeah, it, it to me this is a this is a tailor-made matchup for both guys. Should be a fun uh, exciting fight to watch there on Pay-Per-View. Now, of course, if you do want to get access to our ownership projections, what you got to do is sign up for Awesomeo Plus weekly pass. You can get that for $29.95. Gives you access to all the coverage that we have over at awesomeo.com and if you just want an MMA weekly pass, you can get that for 8.95. Just go to awesomeo.com slash join to sign up today. And, of course, one of the great uh, products that we have, a part of the Also Plus, is our Slack channel, which you can talk to myself and Pete will be in there on Fight Night talking with you about the fights. Of course, uh, that's a great uh, part of the Also Plus package that we do have, so be sure to check out the packages we have over there at osmo.com. Move on next, a matchup that was supposed to take place a couple of weeks ago, Jillian Robertson and Miranda Maverick. Uh, you know, this is, uh, do I dare say on from guard uh, are, are we, are, are we saying it's in play here? You know, I, I, don't
1: really know if it's in play here. Um, I think if somebody was going to pull it off, it would probably be Jillian Robertson. I, she is the submission specialist in this matchup, but, um, you know, you know, obviously Robertson likes to, you know, get her opponents down to the mat where she can implement a strong top game and, you know, decent submission skills. But I think that this is a tough matchup against Miranda Maverick, who's very strong, um, he had, she has like ever improving takedown defense, but is obviously, and you know, obviously the stronger striker here and had a great debut. Um, I, I think that, you know, Maverick is the a side of the fight. I, you could do worse than Robertson as a punt play because she got, she, if she does get a takedown and winds up on top or wins a scramble, she could be in a nice position to work towards a finish. But for me, I really like Maverick at 8,800. It's just, does she get a finish here?
0: My, my only concern with the Miranda Maverick in this one is her getting taken down. That that to me is a concern. You know, just looking at some of the prop bets that are out there, uh, Maverick via TKO KO plus five seventy five is wow. one that kind of does. Uh, that, that's kind of juicy. Uh, that sticks out to me. Of course, you can check out the odds over at Oddshopper. And And uh, you know, the fight goes the distance prop. It's only minus one fifty it might be a trap jason it might be a trap i
1: wonder because like we've seen jillian robertson in striking the exchanges she shells up and she doesn't seem too too comfortable on the feet obviously because that's not her bread and butter her bread and butter is to get her opponents down to the mat but if she cannot do that she could be a sit and duck here and get lit up like a christmas tree from miranda maverick so uh Maybe what I'll say is a surprising spot for Miranda Maverick. So I kind of like we'll put an asterisk next to her name.
0: Miranda at $16 on FanDuel is very intriguing.
1: Yeah, I think so too. She's going to need the stuff takedown. So I think yeah. that's a, a pivotal play over on FanDuel.
0: Yeah, I mean, just kind of looking at the pricing on that fight, $16.13. and You know, the 8800, obviously, on, on DraftKings, you're, you're likely going to need that to be a finish and likely going to want it to be – uh, um. Comment saying Robertson is the A side. Personally, no, she's not. The betting sure. odds tell you she's not the she's not the A side. She's had a strong, like obviously,
1: like we've we've seen uh, Maverick only in one fight in the UFC. So Robertson's fought you know tougher opposition and has you know had back and forth battles and some strong performances in the UFC. Like she's a a dominant grappler for sure. But if she cannot get the fight to the mat, she could be in for some trouble. So. Yeah. I will definitely have some exposure to Robertson at seventy four hundred. She's still a very strong punt play for sure, but uh, I do like Maverick within the division.
0: Yeah, she she has to get. I mean, Maverick's I think twenty five years old. She's she's young. Uh, you know, we've seen Julian Robertson, but to me, if she does not get this fight to the ground, I do think it'll be a long night for her. The opening matchup of the pay per view got Jamin Malarkey taking on. Kama Worthy, Kama Worthy, 8,600 on DK, 7,600 for Malarkey, and then 17 and 14 respectively over on FanDuel. Kama's treating me well in the UFC. You know, did not treat me well the last time. Previous to that, uh, he's treating me well in this one. This is one of those fights I feel like you got to circle it because it's just not Kama Worthy's DNA to go three rounds.
1: No, and you know what? We might have my first underdog of the night that I'm really backing, and I know that may shock you. I think I like Malarkey here, Jason, and it's more on worthy from what I remember of him regionally. He's but he's a guy that I'm I've never really been high on, and uh, I understand if you're looking for a mid-range play that can get you a nice knockout, worthy fits that bill, right? Like that's why Jason's been so successful with him because. know he has been pretty strong and he he had a nice guillotine as well so um you know he likes to finish his fight 75 percent finish rate out of 16 victories but for me is the susceptibility on the feet to get hit with a big shot and wobbled um how many knockout losses does he need to suffer to really be you know a, a liability on the feet defensively and i know that malarkey's not a good striker at all and his avenue of getting this fight done is to take his opponents down so 7,600. I really like Malarkey. I know he's been training a lot with Ross Pearson. I've been looking a lot on Instagram. And, uh, you know, I, I think that I, I like Malarkey here. 92% finish rate out of 12 victories. I think that he's going to surprise some people.
0: Look, I, the winner of this fight's going by. I, I would be pretty surprised if this thing goes 15 minutes. That's why I think this is a fight. I mean, look, you know, Ikama is, he's had, you know, these moments where we saw in the regional scene, we saw his last UFC fight, you know. Don't rule out. I, I don't think I, I've heard some people talk about maybe Mularkey going to takedown game. Don't sleep on Colin Worthy's jujitsu. So, but I think that likelihood is I would be I would be surprised if this fight makes it to the third round.
1: Yeah, it's it's a fight that I will definitely be smashing some exposure to because it's kind of like two two guys. Neither one of them are in the nine thousand range, um, and just this, their style of fights. 75% finish rate for Worthy, 92% for Malarkey. That should tell you that it's going to be fireworks, especially when you see how you know deficient they are in certain areas, which could make a finish more likely. So, have your exposure to Worthy, have your exposure to Malarkey, and uh, you know sit back. This could be a nice matchup for GPPs.
0: Of course, you have probably seen the Osmo avatar all over at DFS leaderboards, and that's for a very good reason. If you rock our avatar on your DFS profile, you'll win a free month of Osmo Plus when you place within the top three in any GPP of 5,000-plus entries. Head over to com slash announcement slash avatar or simply Google search Osmo Avatar for instructions on how to download those images. I, I almost... I wasn't that far away from a top three finish last week in NASCAR. Got had, had a pretty good day in NASCAR, but it uh, yeah. yeah, kind of helped when you had Kyle Larson. If you didn't have Kyle Larson, you were not uh, you were not going to be in there, but you definitely got to rock that also, Avatar. It's on my profile, so be sure to uh, check that uh, over and uh, simply Google search also Avatar to put to a part of your profile. Next up, we got a matchup that came together earlier on this week, Alonzo Minifield. And Fabio Charant as William Knight out of this fight, he is now going to fight in two weeks' time, and so now Alonzo Minifield takes on Fabio Charant. Charant also a Northeast fighter, just like William Knight. Uh, I think weigh-ins are going to be something I'm gonna be paying a ton of attention to with, with Fabio Charant in this one. But when you when you look at the salaries of 8100 on Minnefield, seven thousand for Chiron now FanDuel totally different story 22 for for Menefield, $9 for Chiron but I think in terms of DraftKings I think this is a fight you've really got to be looking at and I mean look we, we talked about earlier you don't trust Tyron Woodley do you trust Alonzo Menefield?
1: I mean not, not really
0: there's Tyron Woodley's definitely
1: on the don't trust list but let me say that you know Menefield, I could forgive him he's 92 um Fabio Chiron one of my buddies. So I am extremely pumped that he got the UFC call. And, uh, you know, I think that it's well-deserved. He had, you know, a fight on the contender series, did not go his way. Outside the, you know, the contender series, he ended up a couple of weeks ago capturing a title. So, um, you know, looking at his record, 71% finish rate, most of his wins are via submission. So a lot of people are going to think that he has no striking. But over the past couple of years, he's really been focusing on his boxing And that was evident in his previous fight where he just captured the title. And, uh, you know, he's comfortable, you know, standing, standing up now and is a main training partner for uh, my coach, Greg Ribello. And, um, you know, at 7,000, he's a guy to definitely include in some lineups because, uh, you know, in his last most recent fight, he looked really good, but obviously paired up against Alonzo Menafield. I mean, let's be real. Alonzo Menafield's very, very dangerous. So this is not an easy fight by any means. And I think Fabio knows that, um, you know, 92 for Alonzo Menefield with a hundred percent finish rate. I think the, the strategy of getting rid of Menefield or winning a fight over Menefield is to stretch it out, make him fight in the later rounds mm. where you can wear on him and potentially, you know, get him to shell up from defending takedowns, hit him with some shots, maybe take him to the mat because Fabio is really talented submission wise. He likes to take his fighters down. I just hope like he hasn't fallen in love with his hands too much that he forgets. He's a well-rounded, you know, mixed martial artist. But as far as like prioritizing fights on this card, this fight kind of does scream GPP for me, Jason. And I understand why Menafield, you know, would be a favorite. Uh, he's a more notable guy. Um, he's, he's looked incredible in the UFC in his wins. Um, he's very dynamic and very explosive but don't count out my boy, Fabio Charon. I'll definitely be rostering a ton of my buddy uh, because, I, you know, it's my buddy, first and foremost. Um, more of a heart play. But I do think that, you know, he can definitely pull the upset. I know that it's on three days notice, but uh, we've seen stranger things happen. And I'm just happy he's in the UFC for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think, look, the key has got to be Fabio Chorant to wear down Alonzo Medifield. Try to get this fight to second, third round, see if you can wear down Minifield a little bit. Look, Minifield is going to be chalky on Saturday on DraftKings. There's no doubt about it. FanDuel is a completely different story. Do you want to be over or under the field on, on Minifield? Well,
1: it's my boy. So, uh, you know, I think from an unbiased perspective, I could see why you would want to smash exposure to this fight, um, and I could see why Menefield will be a, a highly rostered, you know, fighter for sure. Um, I just know the advancements in Fabio's game that I've seen over the you know the past year or two, and how good he did look in a striking match throughout the entire duration of the fight. Um, but Menafield kind of does have that death touch, and it's something to definitely worry about if Fabio incorporates takes that takedowns, Jason. He might be one of the best uh, value plays on the slate. It's just a big what if, especially on three days notice. So um, at 8,100, I fully expect Menefield to be a very, very popular play. Um, you know, rooting for my boy, but it's a very dangerous matchup for sure.
0: Then we got Jared Gooden taking on uh, Nermaga Madoff, not Habib. This is not Habib, a totally different fighter. So I mentioned there's a 5,07,000 range. Not named Sipe Miocic that I am leaning on, it's Jared Gooden. Ooh, okay. I can't hate it. Big boy. Big boy. Cuts a lot of weight to All get the right. 70. Okay. I think that a lot of people are looking at that last name, and he's not Habib. Look, I, there's a reason he's a favorite, but I think when I look at that under, under 8,000 options of, you know, who do I trust? Al, not named CPA Miocic, Jared Gordon's good Is one of the guys I'm looking at.
1: I can't hate it. Um, I do worry about, you know, fighting Alan Joban and not being able to put away Alan Joban, who at times looked to be very chippy within the UFC and looked to be susceptible to getting knocked out and then kind of getting outstruck and kind of picked apart uh, 6.67 strikes per minute um, outgoing and then absorbs 11.2 in that one matchup. So man, he really got hit a lot in that fight. Um, and the one thing about Jared Gooden that I do not like is how he keeps his head so stationary and his chin straight up in the air. Now, I, I'm kind of like you know splitting hairs here because I do understand he's the A side as far as striking wise. Um, you know, Abubakar Demargen Madoff has you know very very strong wrestling, but in the standup department does look to be a little deficient. Where you know he does kind of be you know he's a little statuesque where he stands there, covers up, looks uncomfortable. And, you know, you have to think about that loss to uh, David Zavada. So it's a definite – it's not a smash play. 9000 for Namaga I did not expect that. But I think the name alone is what really inflated his odds. It inflated his drafting salary. And uh, it-, it could be a nice leverage play going towards Gooden. But let me tell you, Jason, Habib as a coach – We saw Islam Mahachev just, you know, just the other weekend. I really think Habib as a coach might be a real deal. Like, I I think like he might, I think he might find his new niche where he's just going to find a stable of fighters. He already has it obviously with team Eagle, but I think that he's going to become a very, very, you know, accredited coach within the MMA community. So at this point, it's hard for me to pick against Team Habib. I'm still leaning to Madoff, but as far as an underdog call, I like what you're saying about Jared Gooden, 76% uh, finish rate. Definitely underdog possibility.
0: And here's what concerns me about Norman Madoff is you look at when he came over to the United States, World Series of Fighting, when your manager's the matchmaker, you're gonna yeah. get the best fights possible. Yeah. So I think that that is kind of a concerning and you know, at that price tag of ninety two hundred, this is he's not been a finisher. Yeah.
1: You know, he had sixty seven percent finish rate for Namarga made about a fifteen victories. Um the one okay,
0: okay, hold on. You need to put an asterisk next to that. Yeah, I know. Okay, because let's look at since he's come to the United States, one. Yeah, that yeah, it is true. Um, but with
1: the new DraftKings scoring, how it really favors grapplers. Let's not discredit the potential for a guy like Namagametov if he's able to put together a a good game plan under Habib, where like if he's able to completely outclass Gooden in the grappling and wrestling department. I mean, he is a combat sambo champion. The guy does know how to fight. Um, it's just it's not an easy matchup by any means. But anytime you see grappler on a DFS slate, I wouldn't say prioritize them. But look at them a little bit more carefully.
0: Yeah, it's the DK. Yeah, that's the thing about the DK scores that we talked about so much. If it's if it's a striking matchup, you need someone who throws a ton of volume so they don't throw volume. They're just not going to bring it up. Now, I know people thought I was going to go the Modestus-Bukakis route in terms of it. Uh, this, this is another fight. I think that is when you're talking about fights, you really got to consider rostering. Him against Mihail here, I think it's one of those fights. I, I don't I don't love Odessa in this spot, um, but, you know, Mihail on the other side, I mean, look, it's the guy who's who's lost, uh, you know, a couple of fights now, you know, back-to-back, but to me, this has got finish written all over it. Yeah, I mean, Mikhail
1: Olashaychuk, you know, a guy six feet tall, seven-four-inch reach, going up against Modestus Bukakis, six-three, seven-eight-inch reach, so the taller and longer man is Bukakis in this you know, in this matchup and uh, Bukakis is 91% finish rate versus Oleshechuk, 79% finish rate. So, you know, the finish rate does favor Bukalkis here. So uh, I, I think that this is a sneaky spot for an underdog. And I wonder if Shechuk yes, he's talented, but I wonder if he was like never really that talented because he was on tainted stuff, you know, tainted supplements or because he's popping for stuff under USADA. He hasn't really looked the same since um, you know, the takedown route for either man really isn't there, but if somebody was going to go the grappling route, I would imagine it would be Shechuk because Bukowskis, Bukowskis does everything in his power to try to keep the feet, you know, the fight on the feet. Um, you know, he, he counters a lot of double legs against the cage with elbows to the questionable areas of the head. Um, uh, you know, a lot of wins by that. Honestly, if you go, if you look back on his career regionally, he has a ton of wins like that. Um. I think this matchup could be fireworks and I do like Bukowskis as the underdog pick to pull off the victory here. And I think that we're going to see like a very unique lineup as far as taking down the optimal. I think you're going to need at least two underdogs.
0: And of course, uh, you know, always got to bring up the line that Modestus told me last year during quarantine, the thing he learned to do in quarantine, became a good beer pong player.
1: Oh God. I, I, was, I
0: was hoping he said wrestler, but... Uh. <laughs> no, no, he, I, I, he he didn't lay with beer pong. He said, he goes, I became really good at putting a ping pong ball into a cup. Come on, guy. P- put one and one together. Come, Come on. on, guy. So I'm just saying, if you're at the Holiday Inn tomorrow, <laughs> you know, this weekend, if you're in the Vegas, and if Modessa says, hey, let's play some beer pong after the fight, you may want him as a teammate. <laughs> Man. All right,
1: well... You know, that's your boy, right? You've interviewed Bukowskis yeah. uh, for quite a while. I can't say his last name, Bukowskis. Um, Coach, hey, 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 look, you should love
0: him. He's coached by his dad. That is
1: cool. Definitely. Definitely favoring Bukowskis.
0: Yeah, he, he's he's a funny guy to talk to. Of course, uh uh, be sure to uh, if you're not su- if you're uh, not subscribed to Oswe here on YouTube, be sure to hit that subscribe button. We got a ton of great shows for you each and every day. Of course, coming up after us will be Spags and Emac for the NBA late slate show. Is of course a uh, ton of changes. Pete's over here trying to rip on my moves. The Magic made. I'm you know, <laughs> come on, Pete. You know, acting like you know Vucevic like is like a top five player in the NBA over there. But uh, Spags and Emac will get your A for tonight's late slate. Of course, uh, tomorrow uh we'll have all your nba nhl coverage over here at osmo.com of course be sure when you uh, subscribe to the show you hit that notification bell so you know when the show is live here on the channel of course uh, you know help pete out give pete a thumbs up he it, it kind of helps his ego a little bit so give pete a <laughs> thumbs up here on this video here on youtube let's move on to the next matchup a matchup that i guess is happening uh, yeah. You know, as as far as we know, this matchup is happening. Shane Young and Omar Morales. Uh, a week ago, last Saturday, it looked like this matchup was not happening. Of course, uh, being a part of uh, you know the Volkanovski and, and everything went along with that. Omar Morales uh, minus one eighty five betting favor in this one, plus one sixty return on Shane Young. What's your take, Pete?
1: You know, it's, they're pairing two strikers up here and uh, Shane Young really got lit up in his previous outing against gets uh, uh, Ludovic Klein and uh, man, my goodness, that was quite the finish and Shane Young does come from a strong camp out of city kickboxing and working a lot with those guys, Um, but I will say that one of my favorite gyms and a gym that I plan on going to train at because I have several buddies that that train there is uh, Sanford MMA and that's where Morales is a part of, you know, strong camp, good, good striking. Under Henry Hooft also very very good wrestling there as well so this is a battle of two strong camps with the taller guy being a Morales in this matchup and uh, Morales at 145 pounds is kind of like it surprises me because he, he is a big guy and we have seen him compete higher in the past I mean I know he did just most recently fight at 145 pounds but it's still pretty he's a big guy and um, I, I think that he's very talented and definitely has the kicking advantage over Shane Young but If you're looking at stats and you're looking at previous fights, Shane Young in good performances has had, you know, very high volume. And the volume is what could be a part of your argument. If you're a Shane Young backer, you think he's either going to get ahead on the scorecards where Morales can't make up ground, or you think that he's going to kind of, you know, outproduce Morales at like a two to one, which is possible. But I do think that Morales has some underrated power and maybe it hasn't really translated well into his career or in the UFC for that matter. But, you know, I do like Morales at 8,700. I just fear that this is a striking matchup back and forth. Maybe they win one round apiece, comes down to the third. Or even if it's a clean sweep, three rounds to nothing for either fighter, you know, maybe it's not optimal because there's no finish. And because of the DraftKings scoring system, you know, you get like, what, 85 points most in that. So uh, outside of an outlier performance, I still think that Morales should be the A side of the fight and should get it done.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. There. And of course, the uh, the motto down at, at Sanford MMA is "Keep it simple, mm-hmm. stupid." That is that is. I was actually talking to uh, a Sanford MMA fighter today. Uh, you know, Garrett uh, Armfield is going to be fighting for CFFC comp here next weekend, and uh, that is a simple mindset that Henry Hoof has when it comes to basically saying, you know what, don't worry about those fancy strikes. Sometimes that one two works just as good as some flying me that knee that may or may not connect. But, of course, uh, March Madness is here. Sweet 16 starts this weekend. We've got you covered here at Osmo. If you're looking to get on some March Madness DFS action, you can get access to our college basketball DFS projections with the Osmo Plus Platinum Pass, or you can purchase our March Madness DFS package separately for only $9.95, which gives you access to, to the projections for the rest of the tournament. And of course, be sure to check out Odd Chopper, oddchopper.awesimo.com when you're looking to find the best line on the game. So you, you know what I'll be doing Sunday when FSU was playing Michigan. Michigan's gonna Michigan's gonna find out what defense is all about. Come, yeah. come here this weekend. You, so you know what I'll be doing uh going up on Sunday. We got one more fight here left to break down, and that is Abu Azatar taking on Mark Andre Berriot. Marc-Andre Barrio, is he on the do not trust list as well? Yeah, 100% on the most
1: underwhelming fighters coming into the UFC that I was excited about originally. Um, he's really kind of dropped the ball as far as I'm concerned in the UFC. Like uh, outside of it, he's looked very, very strong, very talented, 73% finish rate and 11 victories. But it hasn't really translated well in the top promotion of all the mixed martial arts. And, uh, you know, it's tough to trust him. Yeah, he did look good in his most previous outing against uh, Oscar Pajilta. But uh I think that Abu Azatar is no slouch, and uh at eight thousand, perhaps somebody that we can consider
0: yeah uh, uh, Azatar, of course, his brother, who uh you know apparently only had potatoes in the bag. I'm not sure if anyone really believes that. But Azatar, uh, to me, is a guy that I'm looking at uh, in terms of this fight. Of course, if you do got any uh, questions, you can be sure to line those up in the chat. We will get to those here at the end of the show. We're going to give you our fight picks here momentarily. Of course, do want to let you know the free content over at osmo.com is, is MMA fighter rankings, so check out uh, that over there at osmo.com. Let's go on with our fight picks. Uh, let's start. Let's go from the, the bottom to the top. Uh, I'm going to go Azatar.
1: Yeah, non DFS related. I'm going Azatar.
0: Yeah, yeah. By the way, these are all non DFS straight up picks. Uh, I'm going to go Omar Morales. Same. Give me Mihail. Bukowskis. Wow. Okay. Uh, Give me Jared Gooden.
1: Nurmaga Madoff.
0: I'm going to go Minifield. I got to go, my boy. Let's go, Bob. Uh, Give me Kyle Worthy. Nah, Malarkey. Wow, we're, we're, we're really – people do keep track of these because I see the tweets on, on, <laughs> yeah. on Fight Night. Uh, give him a random Maverick against Julian Robinson.
1: Same Maverick.
0: Uh, I will go O'Malley. O'Malley. Luque. Luke. All right, let's see if we agree on the main event. I got to go with a better overall fighter. Give me CPA Miocic.
1: Okay, I'm going to be different, and I'm going to say Francis Ngannou. No
0: problem at all. Let's do it. Look, I mean, he's got that death punch. Oh, yeah. he, he lands one of those, those uppercuts. And that's, I really think if the stoppage comes by Francis, I think it's, it starts with leprechaun.
1: Yeah. I mean, you have to think about to this point, right? Like how much damage Stipe Miocic has taken. And uh, I mean, it could be a jab and he could sit down Stipe Miocic. He has been working a lot with uh, Kamaru Usman. We'll have to see. Maybe it it has helped his take down the fence. Maybe he's developed a better jab. We'll see.
0: Just he needs to go balls to the wall. No different than what he's done in his last four fights.
1: See, I don't know if he needs to do that because if he does that, then he brings his hips forward and then he allows Steve Miocic to really change levels and put him on his backside pretty quickly.
0: Don't change who you are.
1: Yeah, but you have to in a way, though, Jay- Like you, Jason, you have wait, to. What, wait, what, are you going to become a wrestler now? No, but you have to, like, you don't want to change your identity, yeah. but you can definitely change your game plan. That's, that's important.
0: Yeah, no, I get you with that. Uh, Bill says, better dog in a DraftKings GPP. Bukakis or Malarkey? Um
1: wow, that's really that's a really close one. I will say that Malarkey could take advantage of uh Kama Worthy getting finished a lot. Uh, I think that Bukowskis can definitely catch Olashechuk, but I'll give give me Malarkey in that situation.
0: Yeah, and look, there, there's a couple of fights on card that I think that you're probably likely gonna hit be optimal. I, I think Malarkey and, and Worthy is one of them. Um, I, I think the main events, obviously, one of those, uh, and you know, Mihail and, and Mudassas, I think, is one of those ones that you got to hit as well. I mean, I th- those are those are fights that you have to look at. Of course, uh, myself and Pete will be back here on Saturday, live before lock, five p.m. Eastern time. We'll lead you into NBA coverage that night. Of course, coming up next year on Awesomeo will be the NBA late slate show with Spags and Emac. They'll get you ready for the late night action in the NBA. Of course, I do want to thank our sponsor. Monkey Knife Fight. Be sure to use the promo code osmo and you'll get an instant first match deposit up to $50. So until Saturday, good luck to everyone. And we will talk to you uh, in uh, less than 48 hours for Live Before lockers. We'll get you ready for UFC 260. Have a great night.